I think that's important to note that it's not just one thing. It's not, oh, you have food allergies, so now you're anxious. It's so many things that encompass that diagnosis that I think need to have a little bit more understanding and therefore a little bit more grace when dealing with someone who's going through this process. Welcome to Food Allergy and Your Kiddo with Dr. Alice Hoyt, the podcast about demystifying food allergies, diminishing allergy anxiety, and taking back control. Let's navigate this challenge together with evidence-based information, scientific research, and tried and proven practices. And now, here's your host, board-certified allergist and immunologist specializing in food allergy, Dr. Alice Hoyt. Hello and welcome to the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast. I am your host, Dr. Alice Hoyt, joined by my co-host Pam, and we are on episode two of our three, but going to be four-part series on the article, Parents of Children with Food Allergy. And this article, as we discussed in the episode prior to this, so if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back and listen to that one because we're going to dive right into Pam's and my conversation. But what this article is talking about is the anxiety that comes along with having kiddos with food allergy, also the need for resources and living with food allergy being a journey. So those are the three themes discussed in the article, Parents of Children with Food Allergy. And y'all, I'm very excited to share with you that this is now a four-part series because we have divided this into three episodes of Pam's and my content discussing the fantastic article, but then we also interviewed the author just a few days ago, and we will be sharing that as our episode four of this fantastic series that, look, if you know somebody who was recently diagnosed with a food allergy or even somebody who has been living the life of food allergy for decades now, this is a series that has got to be shared because so many people I'm finding are reading this article, listening to this series, and just nodding their heads. Yes, yes, yes. So let's dive back in to my discussion with Pam on this article, Parents of Children with Food Allergy. That kind of brings us to the next theme, theme number two, a transformational journey. And this really talks about how the path Mm -hmm. a a child a family takes Mm -hmm. is on. Mm -hmm. They're not choosing to take this path. Like this is this is the road. This is the road. We don't want how they navigate it and the the different sort of sub themes that they came that came out of this super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so the transformational journey they talk about a child diagnosis of food allergy started a transformational journey is what the authors are saying. And four theme sub themes emerged: the waiting game, which is that period of unknown. The second was a loss of normalcy, so a big change of of what previous life looked like, which. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that. Um, three, strained relationships and mistrust. And then four, financial challenges. Mm-hmm. So in some diagnoses, non-food allergy diagnoses, you 
receive the diagnosis. You say, okay, we have to take this medication now. And maybe it's a diagnosis where the medication is going to make it better. Like say you have an infection on your finger, take a medication. And then that's that, you know, or maybe you have some other diagnosis. You have to take a medication or you have to have a surgery and and there's a journey. And in some cases, when it comes to medical conditions, it's for a finite period of time. Um, you know, return, recurrent tonsil infections, antibiotics, antibiotics, finally you get your tonsils out, whatever the case may be. And then hopefully the plan <laughs> is that that journey ends, right? Right, right? But when it comes to food allergy, at least right now for many, many families, it is a journey that there's not necessarily a clear end in sight. And so it's constantly bringing in new new experiences, which brings it, it can certainly bring new successes in managing certain certain sure. aspects, but it also very regularly brings new challenges. Mm-hmm. And some of those challenges really are these four sub-themes that, yeah. that they're presenting here. So let's talk about the first one, the period of unknown. What did you think about that? Um, you know, for me, we, at least in our food allergy journey, I think that period of unknown um, where the author here talks about um, speaking to the parents saying, oh, well, you know, our diagnosis happened or, you know, Bobby Sue um, ate the cracker. She had an allergic reaction. We went to the pediatrician and we told the pediatrician. And then from there, it was a, a long waiting game until they got to actually see a specialist. Um, we did wait a, a while. I think we waited a year. Um, and I think that was just, you know, lack of education on our part that we should have gone right away. Um, you know, at the time I thought, okay, well, in a year we'll reassess and we'll see where it goes, you know. Um, so for for me, it took a long time to sort of go from, oh, she's allergic, here's an EpiPen, to, oh, she's allergic, let's do all the testing, let's do all the things. Um, but it wasn't like I was seeking it. So for, for me, it wasn't um, that part of the waiting game. I understood it um, because you never want to get a diagnosis and then not get answers right away. Um but it wasn't necessarily my experience, uh, but I can definitely see, especially in larger cities, because I live in a small town, you know, and, and my dad's a physician. And so I, I feel like I'm very fortunate to have access, you know, to mm-hmm. medical teams a, a little bit quicker maybe than just, a, you know, regular, I guess I say that in air quote, person. Um, but it's, you know, I think of other times where we've had diagnosis. For instance, whenever our daughter um, had an allergic reaction and, and we weren't quite sure what caused it, um, we wanted to go see a specific food allergy specialist. Um, and that took a while. It took about six months. Um, maybe It may have taken a little bit longer. And, and that waiting game was a little scary, you know, to be able to go and do a food challenge and, and the weight that that took. Um, it's just, you know, it's just so disheartening. It's just, just think of, you know, whenever your favorite TV show is fixing to start and you're sitting in front of the TV, you know, for two minutes prior, and you're like, come on, you know, start already. Um, and it's that same feeling of let's, you know, let's get it done. Let's get it over mm-hmm. with. Um, so I, I, 
I do think it's a very real um, theme, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, and it leads to that anxiety, you know, because that waiting game leads to that anxiety. And to Googling. And to Googling, which is the worst. It's just the worst. Which is the worst. <laughs> and then we love, once, we love Google, but still sometimes not good. <laughs> once, once you do have the diagnosis then, then, and even before then, you know, if you've gone to the ER, your pediatrician, whoever it is, and your kiddo ate scrambled eggs for the first time and they have hives, the advice is avoid eggs. Mm-hmm. Hi there, this is Alexis from the Hoyt Institute of Food Allergy. Did you know that the Institute is the official sponsor of the Food Allergy and Your Kiddo podcast? And did you also know that you are now able to connect with Dr. Hoyt directly? That's right. We are now offering food allergy office hours for parents. These one-on-one virtual sessions are available for parents all across the country. It's an educational session, not an office visit, where you can ask all of your food allergy questions and finally get answers. It's as comfortable as having a cup of coffee with your bestie. Simply click the link in the show notes to schedule and mention this ad. We are so, so excited to connect with parents across the globe with this new service. Okay, now back to Pam and Dr. Hoyt. And you wait, and then you finally see the allergist, and good evaluation. The The diagnosis is confirmed, and then, then it's that real sense of loss and normalcy Mm -hmm. because maybe you've been waiting and hoping that maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but then the big change comes where, where you feel like everything has to change how you interact socially holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe depending on how old your kiddo is, you're just getting to the point of having your little sweet pea stay with grandparents. Um, or with other family overnight, or even just for a few hours, you know, and now all of a sudden there is a huge risk. And that risk is something that you never really thought you'd have to worry about. But now all of a sudden you have to worry about an egg harming your child. Yeah. And that, that loss of normalcy, which I think, I think a lot of non food allergy families don't necessarily realize the gravity of that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that kind of been your experience or your oh, absolutely. opinion? Absolutely. Um, that's definitely one of the first um, things once you kind of come out of the clouds that you realize is going to happen is that you no longer have that normal. You know, you can no longer just walk into a bakery and ask for a donut or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and you can no longer spontaneous, spontaneously do things without pre-planning um, to some extent. And one of the moms was quoted in, in this paper as saying, it changed me as a human being. I'm like, I'm a different person. I used to be really easygoing and just kind of really carefree. And we did and we just did things on a whim, and that's just not life anymore. So yeah, it's changed. And anxiety too. Like I wasn't really anxious, an anxious person before. I don't think 
um, yeah, every single moment has to be calculated now, every moment. And she ends that with a quotation mark. And it's so an true. Ex- an ex- I'm sorry, an exclamation mark. Um, and it's so true. It's so true what she said um, that I really, you know, don't know what else to add. We, I feel like it's life is better now. You know, like I feel like I've come out of that sort of anxiety circle. Yes, I still worry. Yes, I still have anxieties, but I've come out of that initialness. And so life to us seems very normal. Um, it's very normal to say, hey, we're going to North Carolina. And it's very normal for us to say, okay, well, I need snacks for the plane just in case. I need snacks for the road. I need to call these restaurants to make sure that they're safe. Um, you know, it's just my normal at this point. That's my normal. Um, but that initial loss of that, the how am I going to live life um, as easygoing as I did before, I mean, it's kind of a punch in the gut, you know, um, and no one, I don't care who you are, no one will ever understand it unless you live it. And with food allergy, I think because it's sometimes such a hidden disease, um, people don't realize that there are those, those losses that we have, you mm-hmm. know, um, and it's not just about going places, you know, there's that loss of, um, you know, letting my child go on her first date and thinking, oh, what if she gets a kiss? I can't just be excited for her, you know, um, for that fun little journey. I have to worry about whether that child is respecting the fact that she can't eat peanuts. And if he did or did not eat peanuts, I have to worry about, you know, um, will her husband, I mean, hopefully by the time she gets married, things will be different, but also she will marry a man like her daddy who, um, will love and respect her. And when she says, I can't eat peanuts, he says, all right, we're done with peanuts, you know? Um, but still, you still have to worry about that. You have to worry about what she's going to do when she has kids and she has to, inter- you know, it, it's things that are not normal <laughs> to worry about. And it's what we worry about. Um, and it's sad. Yeah. Um, I don't want pity and I don't think many parents want pity, but understanding that there mm-hmm. is that loss, there's a loss of how you thought your life was going to be. Um, because now you have a child who is otherwise healthy and can be, you know, something tragic can happen with one bite of food. And that's, I mean, that's a sad thing to have to live honestly. I think that contributes to what the authors are talking to here about this loss of normalcy. It also goes into the next mm-hmm. um, um, sub-theme of strained relationships and mistrust, having to be on high alert all the time. Can you imagine? So my listeners who are listening to this podcast because you love someone with food allergy, but you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have it. Your kiddo doesn't necessarily have it but you're interested in food allergy, or maybe you're just my friend and that's why you're listening to the podcast. (laughs) In which case, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. But can you imagine being on high alert all the time? And especially with your in-laws, I get anxious. That's that's the quote I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And and these are these are these are legitimate concerns that these families have. And it's all because they're just concerned that their child's going to ingest something that could harm them. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, we are, uh, 
my family's amazing on both sides, my husband's family, my family, um, the, the people that we surround ourselves with are amazing. Um, so I have been very extremely lucky to not have experienced this, um, in my circle of, of trust. Um, you know, people ask people, um, you know, have people forgotten? Sure. You know, was it an honest mistake? Absolutely. Um, if you don't live it, you don't think about it all the time. Um, but I cannot for the life of me, um, imagine if we didn't have that support and my heart breaks for those people who, because of a food, um, and others lack of understanding and empathy have to break away from relationships. Um, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And I feel so much for the people in the study who have felt that way, but it's so true. It's such a true thing that happens all the time. And while I haven't been touched by personal, um, you know, family or friends who have, you know, looked at me and said, yeah, I don't think so. You know, my child has been in school for quite some time now. And, and we have had situations at school where a parent, you know, says, I don't care that, you know, your child has a food allergy. If I want to send this to school, I will, you know, for a party or whatever it may be. Um, and doesn't respect that. And, and that's unfortunate. And, um, unfortunately sometimes it's expected that, that people react that way. Um, it's, the way I look at that is how do I handle that, you know? Um, and I've always been in, in every situation, you know, whether it's at home or on a vacation or at school, I always try to make sure that my child is not more important than your child's needs, right? Our food allergy does not um, make your son's or your daughter's um, inability to eat anything except peanut butter, you know, go away. You know, everybody has their, their needs and everybody has their own things and that's okay, but it's how we work together with mm -hmm. it. You know, why is it, no, I don't agree with your food allergy because I think it's fake or it's, you know, impeding on my life or my rights or whatever it may be. Um, so we're just not going to be friends anymore. You know, that's just, that's heartbreaking. It's sad that people have to experience that. So, um, well, it makes me think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt No, you. go ahead. It, it makes me think that it can't – I believe that most people are good people. Right. And it just makes me believe that people who do choose to be that way, they they don't they, – they must not get it. Yeah, it can't like be that they're just like bad people. It's right. just It's just they're – they don't get it. And they don't get it because – they don't live it. Yeah. And it's, it is, I keep coming back to like, it's a bonkers disease because it is, mm -hmm. you know, it's just not, it's not something that's been known for a long time. Pam, I sent you that article the other day from Dr. Platts Mills on the allergy epidemics. Right. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how new allergy, allergic diseases are, and they are new. You know, when we look back in the Bible, there's there's not really a lot of food allergy. There's plenty of infection, right? <laughs> but not so much food allergy. And poor Job. Job had everything. Poor Job. But he didn't have a kid with a food allergy, <laughs> right? Job. So 
it's it's a real thing and it just the other the other thing it brings up especially regarding peanut butter is peanut butter is such a if you don't have a food allergy a peanut allergy it's a very good it's a very nutritious food right um and it's a very economical food mhm mm-hmm. and so sometimes when families really want their kid to have peanut butter part of it could be they love it part of it could also be that it's it's a good food and that it's an affordable option. Yep. Because if you try to buy sun butter, sun butter is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the sunflower seed butter. We don't have any sort of sponsorship by by any of these people. <laughs> um, if you're interested, let me know. I'm still going to speak Call my us. mind about it. <laughs> so I don't know if you want if you ever want me to be your sponsor because you're going to get the honest uh, truth here from Dr. Alice Hoyt, food allergy and your kiddo. Um, but that brings me to the, the next theme or sub theme of this theme. There's so many of these, um, but there's, they're so good. They're so good. They're so spot on. It brings me to financial challenges. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was talking to one of my friends before this podcast about, um, a, about food allergy and parents. And I know a physician, I know a lawyer, I know other people women who have professional degrees, who are very good at their crafts, who have stopped working outside the home because their child has a food allergy. Now, not because they're choosing to stay at home with their child or be available with their child so that for whatever reason that a woman chooses to do that, or a man, men do it these days too. But it's because they're concerned about their child's safety. Mm-hmm. So if you think about, in that example, a lawyer, a physician who decides not to practice anymore, the ramifications are financial to that family. One, I hope they don't have loans because mm. heaven help us if they have <laughs> $200,000 in school loans, mm-hmm. but now they're going from a a, a a two-parent working household to one, um, managing that, the stress that just comes with financial issues. And I, I think financial reasons are one of the top reasons for divorce, Yeah, right, in general. Um, but think about the people, the patients or the families, the the people who need, who need counsel, who need lawyers, who need physicians. They are no longer being served because – because that mom, or if it's a dad, feels that in order to keep their child alive, they can't work anymore mm-hmm. outside the home. Can you imagine having to make that choice? Yeah, that's hard. You know, it's, I was a stay at home mom prior to our diagnosis. So for me, um, it was, I was home. <laughs> you know, I was already home. But I've thought about, you know, now that my kids are are in middle school and elementary school, you know, I could go back to work full time outside the home, you know, outside of doing a podcast and helping with the things that I help on my time. Um, Pam has a master's degree. I do. And, you know, my passion and and our um, decision prior to having kids was that I was going to be able to stay at home if it was financially, um, if we were financially able, which you know, we're very blessed and lucky that we are. Um, but I choose to not go back to work 
for multiple reasons, this being one of them. Um, I want to be able to, or I need to be able to be available for allergy visits. I need to be able to be available for food challenges when they arise. I need to be able for my peace of mind when the teachers say, we're having a class party. Who wants to volunteer? I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to be there. I want to be able to have eyes on the prize. Um, I want to be able to go to out-of-town field trips um, because if I'm not there and something happens, I feel like that's on me. That may not be a rational thing to think, but that's what I think. Um, and not only that, we're very capable um and fortunate, and I keep saying that because not everybody is, to be able to afford multiple EpiPens. I have an EpiPen or an epinephrine injector. I have an epinephrine injector, two, at the school on my daughter. I have two at the nurse's office, and I have two that hang out with me. So they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. And so you can walk into any school in any part of the country. And find kids who are allergic to something that do not have epinephrine. And that breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. It breaks my heart. And it makes me mad. And you can probably listen to it in my voice. But it's part of having a food allergy. It's not just about the food. It's about the life-saving medication that's needed to prevent the life-threatening that comes with with it all. You know, the potentialness mm-hmm. of it. And that's so hard. And 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 it's in this. And that's not even talking about, you know, if you have a wheat allergy, all of the things that you now have to buy and gluten-free food, not cheap, free food, not cheap, some butter, not cheap, non-peanut butter products, not cheap, egg replacers, not cheap, you know, and, and, and Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, to, to bad mouth these products. It's not it at all. I mean, you know, they're just not cheap to produce. And so they're not cheap to sell and they're not cheap to buy. But so much financial stress, you know, comes with this. And and it's just, it's sad. It, it really is sad. And, and not to like make this podcast a wah-wah, let's just be sad. Um, but it's just a fact of it, you know. And I think it's understanding that all of these things are contributing factors to why people have anxiety which Mm -hmm. is the first name, um, or why there may be strained relationships. I think that's important to note that it's not just one thing. It's not, oh, you have a food allergy, so now you're anxious. It's so many things that encompass that diagnosis that I think need to have a little bit more understanding and therefore a little bit more grace when dealing with someone who's going through this process. That's why I like this paper so much. It's really like it lays it all out. I know. See, we were like, let's do this in 20 minutes. And here we are, you know, (laughs) but there's so much, there's so much to unpack. Okay. That wraps episode two of this now four part series on parenting children with food allergy. As I mentioned, we interviewed the author just the other day. She's fantastic. You are not going to want to miss that episode and you're not going to want to miss the upcoming episode where we wrap up, finish talking about the themes in the article, and then in the following episode, we'll dive right in with the first author. As always, I am an allergist, but I'm not your allergist. So talk with your allergist about what you've learned on this episode. Check out 
foodallergyinyourkiddo.com for even more information on your journey of food allergy with your kiddo. God bless you and God bless your family.